Good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. I'm Josh, one of the pastors here. And uh, before we get started, let me tell you about two people in my life that have had a big impact, um, but one older, one younger. First guy's name's Jay. I met Jay when I was about 16 in California, and Jay had already been legally blind for about two years due to an accident. But this guy, Jay, I met him through my church, he actively sought me out. And he spent time with me. He loved to, uh, to fish, and he couldn't drive a, a car because he's legally blind. So I got to be the chauffeur. So we drive out to the San Francisco Delta, out to the bay. And he really had a huge impact in my life. Because at that formative stage, he taught me, this former ranch hand, former cowboy, he taught me that living Christian manhood authentically did not mean you had to be some sweet Sunday school boy. But you could be this wild, crazy rancher guy who still insisted on driving the boat out on the ocean when he wouldn't hit anything. But he had a huge impact in my life. And I consider Jay a spiritual father to me. I'll tell you about Tyler. I met Tyler when he was 18 in New Hampshire. He'd been an alcoholic for about two years. Comes from a long family of alcoholics. Well, he connected to our small church in New Hampshire, and through my engagement with him and through the whole community, he received Christ. And he began, through the power of the Holy Spirit given to him, began to break some of these patterns of abuse, of poverty, and of destruction in his, in his life that he was inherited from his earthly father. And it's a joy to see at a distance him becoming more and more like the image of Jesus Christ. He's, he's doing better than he's <laughs> would ever dream in his, vo- in his vocation. He serves in, in the military reserves, and he just married this sweet, godly woman. His, the change in his life is dramatic, and it is a joy for me to experience that from afar. And he considers me a spiritual father. Question for you, who do you consider as a spiritual parent? Do you have a spiritual parent? Who do you consider as a spiritual child? Do you have a spiritual child? Well, today we're going to continue in in our series on the book of Ecclesiastes. Or Ecclesiastes. We're done with that one. Book of 1 Thessalonians called Encouraged. And here in chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, Paul is the spiritual parent of the church in Thessalonica. And he is giving us a picture of what a spiritual parent looks like, both positively and negatively. So before we jump in, let me pray for our time in the Word, and then we'll uh, jump into the Scriptures. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that we can call you Father, that through your Son Jesus, faith and trust in Him, you have adopted us into your family. Lord, thank you that you've also given us spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers, and you've given us spiritual children that we can serve. Lord, as we look at your word, help us to have a greater heart and desire to become better spiritual parents. And if we don't have spiritual children, go and grow that desire for us to have spiritual children, both from new birth and becoming a discipler in that person's life. So Lord, we love you. Lord, would your Holy Spirit work as we study your word? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about spiritual 
parenthood, having and being a spiritual parent. When we talk about a spiritual parent, we're not talking about biological parents. We're talking what's on the wall right there, being a discipler. This is, we're talking about a discipler. But the apostle Paul, he uses very tender, very sweet parent language in the second half of this section in referring to himself to the book of, first, of the church in, first, in Thessalonica. But before he gives us these endearing, sweet, tender words, he gives us seven qualities to avoid in a spiritual parent, both when you're looking for a spiritual parent and both when you are a spiritual parent. So let's look, verse, starting in verse one of chapter two. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we have already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. So here's Paul, the father of the church in Thessalonica. He had great boldness where he led many people to Christ in Thessalonica. He, they formed together in the church. But soon after that, Paul was kicked out of the city from the city leaders because of the change that were happening in people's lives. So here's Paul at a distance, and he's writing to these dearly beloved people, hey, I came to you in boldness. I was bold. I preached the gospel. I was tough. But boldness is not enough to be a spiritual parent. Boldness is not enough. So here Paul gives us seven qualities to avoid in being a spiritual parent. Verse three, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. So the first quality to avoid in, in a spiritual parent is error. We must ask the question, does he or she accurately teach the Bible? You know, someone can be really strong and bold and have a lot of conviction and be really uh, certain and be really wrong. Maybe you knew, know some of those people. But we know that no one has spiritual authority other than what is revealed and coheres with Scripture. Someone can be fully convinced and fully bold and fully wrong. That's why we must be good stewards, good uh, investigators of Scripture. For you especially, right? You come to church. Uh, you put your kids in the kids' ministry, or you come and you hear someone lead worship, and they choose the songs, and someone here to preach. Well, you need to be really, really careful to make sure whatever is being set up here or what's being sung is without error. And you do that by being diligent in the word. And you have to ask your question or ask a question in your own life. Is there error in my life? And do I spend enough time in scripture to determine truth and error? The second quality to avoid is impurity. Does he or she live according to the Bible? I remember in college, there was a, a man who had a prayer ministry and it was pretty uh, wide ranging prayer ministry. And, but more and more, he began to take on uh, ladies, young, young gals, and would pray over them. And there was this kind of weirdness going on. And there were some times we had to talk to these ladies and talk to him. Hey, I, I sense some strangeness there. And it came out later that there was impurity 
in that ministry and in his life. We must be able to sniff out impurity in others' lives, and we must always ask the question to ourselves, where is there impurity in my life? Where is there impurity in your life? In order to be a good spiritual parent, our lives must be continually purged of impurity. Third, quality to avoid in a spiritual parent is deception. Does he or she teach and live all the Bible? See, there's a way of deceiving that does not outright lie, but omits all the truth. If you hear your child crying downstairs and you run down there and the older brother says, oh, she fell off the couch, but lacks to, uh, or admits to add, and I pushed her off that couch. <laughs> what that child said was not necessary and accurate, but it was deceptive. It was deceptive. You see, there is um, uh, much tendency, I think, in, especially in America, for us to not to, what Scripture calls, preach the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. That means we don't just pick and choose what we teach in the Bible. We teach all of it. Uh, there's a teaching um, referred to as the prosperity gospel that says God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and secure now. Well, God is going to provide health and wealth and security maybe now, but certainly one day. But if you, we don't understand that the Christian life is one of suffering, constant suffering, then we are being deceived. So here's a question. Where am I? Where are you underemphasizing parts of the Bible? When you in your daily readings or when you share the Bible with others, what are you and what am I underemphasizing in the Bible? First, or excuse me, fourth quality to avoid in a spiritual parent is a people pleaser. Verse four. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, we, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. See, there's an uh, epidemic in our country with depression and anxiety. And many of us struggle with depression and anxiety. The, according to the Journal of, of the American Medical Association, one in six Americans take some psychiatric drug. And uh, just recently, the Royal Society of Public Health in the UK did a study on the mental health uh, impacts of social media and the different social media platforms. So here's a quiz for you. Which social media platform do you think had the worst impact in mental health? Instagram. Who said Instagram? Instagram had the worst impact on mental health health. And this study shows that high engagement in some of these sites results in an increase in depression, in anxiety, in self-identity, and body issues. I tell you the truth, it's not Instagram's fault. You see, this study is bumping into this spiritual truth, that if we do not believe that we are beloved children of God, 
that we have the approval of God through Christ, then we will grasp for the approval of others. And what happens is we look at our reality TV and compare it to the highlight reel we find on Instagram, and we begin to covet others' lives. We begin to be dissatisfied with the life that God has given us. Because what happens is that if we begin to pull our eyes away from the approval of our Heavenly Father and turn our eyes to the approval of others, we will always pay the consequence. We pay the price in our hearts, in our minds, and in our families. In order to be a good spiritual parent, we can't be a people pleaser both hoping people are pleased by us and wanting the approval of people. We have to fix our eyes on the approval of God. The fifth quality to avoid in spiritual parenting is a flatterer. Verse five. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. A flatterer is someone who only says what we want to hear. And a flatterer can never be a good spiritual parent. Why? Because a flatterer can never be a good friend. Let me tell you about my best friend, Brad. I mean, my wife and I have been married about six years and our first, season, uh, first year we were working through how to communicate well with one another. So I was calling my buddy Brad, my best man at my wedding. He said, Laying out all the grievances I had against my wife, Deborah. Oh, she doesn't do this, and she doesn't do that, and she does do this. And in the middle of my sob story, he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa Josh, Josh, okay, look, I don't want to hear all this stuff. What are you doing to change how you communicate to Deborah? I was like, Brad, look, no, 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 let me, okay, let me, okay, remember, she doesn't do this, she doesn't do that. And he goes, no, 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 look, I, I don't care. Look, what are you doing to better communicate with your wife, and how are you loving her better. See, Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. A flatterer can never be a true friend to you because they will never wound you like a surgeon wounds their patient for their good. So here's a question for you and for me. Who am I tempted to flatter? Who am I tempted to flatter? Is it a boss? Is it a neighbor? Is it a friend? Who am I tempted to flatter? Sixth quality, verse five. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. The sixth quality to avoid in a spiritual parent is greed. I'll tell you this, and I've been in church ministry for uh, six years, so not very long, but I will tell you this. Never, ever, once, has someone come to me and said, Josh, can I, can I talk with you quiet, privately? Can, can I talk with you in my office? Can we, can we have an appointment? I need to confess something to you. I'm like, okay, you know. We meet up, and he goes, I just want to tell you, I, I've been struggling with greed. Never, never, ever. People have talked to me about some very unique struggles, 
but never ever greed. Is it because we're not greedy? Look, greed is the staff infection of the American culture. We don't know we have it, but it's, it's eating us up inside. If you have never asked yourself, I'm going to be bold. If you have never asked yourself, God, am I greedy? If you've never asked that, you're greedy. You're greedy. How often do we ask ourselves, God, am I greedy? Do I experience the sin of greed? The Apostle Paul went so far in his ministry to Thessalonica to stay away from greed that he didn't even take money. He, over in 1 Corinthians, he says, look, it is right for, to pay pastors. He said, but I wanted to be so above reproach that I'm, he made tents. Like, you know, people sleep in tents. He made tents and he didn't even receive any support from the local church. The final quality to avoid in a spiritual parent is glory seekers. Verse six. Nor do we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as the apostles of Christ. You see, the, the flip side of people pleasing is glory seeking. The opposite of people pleasing is glory seeking. And the proper response to not being a people pleaser is not to just not care what people think. If you just don't care what people think, you're probably a glory seeker. A glory seeker pursues after a goal, their ambition. They will achieve this goal no matter what, and they'll step on whoever to accomplish that goal. I remember I read uh, Walter Isaacson's masterful biography of Steve Jobs on a train ride from Boston to Virginia. And you would know if you read that, if you read that uh, biography, Steve Jobs was a glory seeker. He didn't care what people think, but he pursued his goal with tenacity and he didn't care who would step on to achieve that. But we know from that biography deep down, because Steve Jobs was adopted, he was ultimately asking the question, am I good enough? Am I loved? You see, glory seeking is an attempt to substitute our glory for God's glory. Our value for God's value. But until we derive our value from God's value, we will always be looking around and saying, Am I good enough? Here's a question for you and a question for me. Where in my life am I using people rather than loving people? Where am I using people rather than loving people? Let's review. Seven qualities to avoid in a spiritual parent. Error, impurity, deception, people-pleasing, Flattery, greed, glory seeking. Which area are you strongest in? Which area do you need to grow in? All right. So we've, got, so we've gotten through the nose. We've gotten through the don't be like this 
from the Apostle Paul. He's given us this, this litmus test. Okay, these are these qualities to avoid in a spiritual parent. Now let's move into what does a spiritual parent look like? And how do I become a spiritual parent? See, in this next section, these next five verses, we see some of the most tender and emotional and affectionate writings in all the writings of the Apostle Paul. So let's read verse 7 through 12. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Let's stop there. So we're going to talk about how to be a spiritual mother. And in this passage, Paul refers to himself both as a spiritual mother and as a spiritual father. We're not talking about biological parentage. We're talking about spiritual parentage. What that means is each one of us, to be a spiritual parent, must uh, emulate spiritual motherhood and spiritual fatherhood. I know what the guys are thinking. I don't want to be a spiritual mother. (laughs) I don't want to be like a nursing mother. Well, Jesus himself in Matthew 23 compared himself to a mother hen who wanted to cover her children over with her wings. The apostle Paul refers himself as a spiritual mother here in his desire to affectionately connect and be gentle with his children. And even this uh, verse where, uh, verse seven, where it talks about the mother, like a mother nursing her child. This is one of Pastor Chad's favorite verses. And he's a pretty manly guy, right? So if you don't want to be a spiritual mother guy out there, too bad, you got to be. All right, spiritual, how do you become a spiritual mother? So verse seven, it says a spiritual mother is ready to share the gospel of Christ. It's, this is where these translations that we have in, in English uh, from the original Greek just don't do justice to its truth. See, elsewhere throughout the Bible, almost exclusively, Paul says, I came to preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to deliver the gospel, to move forth the gospel. And here he says he was ready to share with you the gospel. And this phrase, we were ready to share, is the Greek phrase, which is is two verbs, which literally means we were constantly delighted to gently apportion out to you the gospel. Paul is evoking this image. Imagine there is a mother or a grandmother who has all their children over to play. And all these children are at the peak of their behavioral performance. No one's yelling at each other. No one's grabbing hair, pulling things. Everyone's sharing. And they're in the backyard. And this mother hears her children playing. It's this warm summer day. All the windows are open. And she so loves to hear her children play that she gets an idea. I'm going to make them a pie. We bought all these blackberries. I'm going to make them a delicious blackberry pie. 
So in her delight and anticipation, she makes the crust. She rolls it out, presses it into the pan. She takes the blackberries and pours in the sugar, crushes in them together, pours it into this newly formed crust, sets the timer, puts the, puts the pie in the oven, and she just can't wait. So that timer beeps. She can pull all of her children in and share with them this delicious treat. So the timer beeps, pulls out the pie, calls her children in, and all of her children line around the table, and she apportions to them gently huge pieces of this blackberry pie. And then takes a big old scoop of vanilla ice cream and plops it down right in front of them all. And their eyes just delight. This is the type of heart and the type of love that Paul has for these believers in Thessalonica. See, he was so eagerly and excited to gently apportion them out the gospel. You may ask, these, either these people in Thessalonica were like really lovable <laughs> because, because I don't have that kind of heart. Well, Paul has that heart for the church in Thessalonica because he is tapping in to God's heart for them. You see, God has that type of motherly heart for us. He, scripture says, is eagerly awaiting the, when he sends his son to draw his children to him. And scripture says he is preparing a beautiful, beautiful garden city for we, that we are able to enjoy God and one another and there will no, no more fighting, no more death, no more illness, no more sin and no more hate. And his heart is eagerly waiting to share with you and with me what God has provided and prepared for us. See, that's the heart of being a spiritual mother. Okay, how do you do that? <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that? Well, Paul says three things. We do that with a heart of gentleness, just like a mother who would nurse, gently nurse her child, even if the child is fighting and frustrated, we are to have that type of gentleness. We're to have a heart that affectionately desires that child. And we do that by sharing our life with, with others. And you'll notice gentleness, a heart of affectionate desire, and sharing our life, they actually build off of that third one. See, that's why I always counsel young adults, don't even go out on a date with someone who does not have a relationship with Christ. Because what happens, you spend time with one another and you enjoy their company and you spend more time with one another and your hearts begin to be intertwined and you, develop, you fall in love with that person because of the time you spent with one another. Now, that's why arranged marriages work. <laughs> we don't like that. But other cult cultures who have arranged marriages, often they have higher marital satisfaction. <gasps> it's because when we spend time with other, others, no matter who it is, our hearts begin to develop a love for them. And when we have a heart of love for them, then we can respond with gentleness to them. That's the heart of a spiritual mother. All right, well, how do I become a spiritual father? Verse nine, 
For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Spiritual fatherhood is about having a life that is holy and righteous and blameless and calling others to that life. Spiritual fatherhood is about having a life that is holy and righteous and blameless and calling others to that life. Brothers and sisters, I hope you know that more than just your own life is at stake with your character. More than just your life is at stake in your character. If you fail morally, if you do not, as you get older, you come not better, but you become bitter. If you live a life now according to the world's value system rather than the value system of Christ, it's not just you that is impacted. It is generations of not just biological, but spiritual children who are looking at you and to you. You don't realize how many people are looking at you and to you, at you as a blueprint for their life and to you for moral and spiritual leadership. So when we put ourselves in a place where we may fail, it's not just about you. It's about the whole family of God. So I implore you, be a spiritual father who is holy and righteous and blameless and live a life to the end where you can say, hey, I'm not perfect, but follow me as I follow Christ. Now, spiritual fatherhood applies both to men and women, but specifically to men. Be that man who guys my age can look at and through a whole life of faithfulness and suffering, I can say, I hope when I'm 72, I can be like Jim. I hope when I deal with situations in my life, I can be like him. I implore you more than your life is at stake. You see, when you have a character, when you have integrity, you have the right, you have the credibility to do three things. You exhort people. You, you can exhort them. That's calling people up to a higher level in their life. You're saying, look, you're not living up to the God calling purpose that God has for your life. Then when you have that level of integrity, you can encourage them. Hey, I've been there and through God's faithfulness, I've got through it. You can do it. You can live well through this season of life. And finally, you can charge your spiritual children. Charging is calling someone to a greater task. It's saying, look, I see this in you. You can do this. I know you have what it takes. 
coming from a man or woman who's lived a life of integrity, that has great power. Okay, I think at this point, we, many of us have begun to ask two questions. Two, we pose two problems. First, Josh, I hear you. I can't be a spiritual parent. I failed out. I'm not enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough. I, I've made too many errors in my life. I, I'm just, I've disqualified myself. And the second thing, a lot of it is like, look, I would really like to have a spiritual parent. <laughs> I need one for that season in my life. Well, let's tackle that first problem. Many of us feel we are not good enough, we're not holy enough, we don't have the integrity, we don't have the knowledge, we've disqualified ourselves from being a spiritual parent. And if you feel that way this morning, I'll say two things. That's not uncommon, and you're wrong. You have what it takes to be a spiritual parent. Why? Because God is your father, and Christ is your brother. God is your father, and Christ is your brother. You see, Scripture tells us that God made the world, and he made people who sinned. And sin creates an estrangement in the family of God. And God so loved us that he wanted to be reconciled to us, but he had to deal with that sin. So he sent his only begotten son, to take on flesh, to fight the sin in this world. And through living a perfect life of integrity, he won us adoption into the family of God by death on the cross. And through faith and trust in Jesus, we have been given the perfect record of Christ. We've been given adoption as sons and Christ has reconciled us to God the Father. And Jesus has sent us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. So now you, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, have been reconciled to God. You are in God's family. You have the power of God through the Spirit to live a life of integrity. And Hebrews 2 says that Jesus is not ashamed to call you a brother, or a sister. Hebrews 2.11 says, For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Did you know that Jesus is not ashamed to call you a sibling? And God is not ashamed to call you a child. He is proud of you. Your heavenly father is proud of you. And he's got a job for you to do, to be a spiritual parent, to introduce others into the family of God. People who are far from God, bring them into the family and begin to show them, hey, this is how our family works. We love our enemies. We do good for those that, harm us. We control, we don't allow money to control us, we control our money. We pray for people. We serve others. We give of our life. We read the Bible. We spend time with our dad because he loves us. 
we go and move heaven and earth to draw more people into our family. You know, there's plenty of room in our house. There's plenty of space. And we become big brothers and big sisters to those new siblings that God adopts through Christ. You have what it takes to tell people, this is how we do it in our family. No matter where you are, no matter in your spiritual journey, God's called you to be a spiritual mother and a spiritual father. Second problem, I think, is, okay, where do I get a spiritual parent? <laughs> I need one. I'm young and I'm going through, we just got married or, you know, we're empty nesters and there's some struggle, struggle with my life. Where do I find a spiritual parent? Well, first, let me challenge you to get connected and be a spiritual parent. A couple ways to do that is you need to continually be sharing the gospel with people in your life house and in your life. You realize someone can't be adopted into the family of God if they are spiritually dead. They have to go from death to life in order to be adopted into the family of God. So continually pray for your neighbors in your life house, share with them, and care for them. One thing Rick Duncan said, um, he goes, look, I don't have enough, you know, Rick Duncan, I don't have enough schedule, time in my schedule to add anything else to my schedule. I'm like, okay. He goes, but people need to know you got to add people to your life, not more things to your life. I'm like, that's pretty good, Rick. Are you, <laughs> don't add something to your life, just add people to what you're already doing. Invite that younger person into doing the, Clean up in your yard. You got to go pick up something. Invite them in. Serve in middle and high school ministry. That's a great mechanism to be a spiritual parent to that next generation. Get in a life group. Get in a life group. That's where those relationships are made and those people get connected in that spiritual parentage. Hey, lead a young adult life group. Maybe you're out of the young adult life stage. Lead a young adult life group. Become a spiritual parent to those young adults. Intentionally start a link generation life group. Or hey, email the church and say, hey, I'd like to get, you got someone that could connect me with, you know, you connect us and I'd like to lead them and maybe meet with them four times to, 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 to um, be a spiritual parent. All right, how do you find a spiritual parent? You get in a life group. Try to focus on a mixed generation life group, a life group with old, you know, people who are later in age, middle in age, and younger in age. Consider joining the Wednesday night group. Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., they're men's and women's group, that's a, especially if you're younger. That's a great place to get connected in people who are a little further down the road than you. Serve on a missions trip. That's a great way to, get, to serve alongside and get connected with people of all different spiritual maturity and uh, life stage. Hey, if you're a young adult, come to the summer kickoff cookout today from 1.30 to 5.30 in, in Parma. There's some information on the website or in the foyer and in your bulletin. Get connected with other young adults. And finally, for you men, September 29th and 30th, we're having a men's retreat calling Blueprint for Manhood. We will be discussing how every man is meant to have someone above them and someone behind them. Well, as I close, let me just, let me, let me close with this. I hope each one of us wants to be that spiritual parent and wants to have that spiritual parent. But if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you cannot be 
and you are not adopted into the family of God. You have to first recognize and believe that God is your father through Jesus Christ before you can have a spiritual parent. The God the Father has, be your, has to be your parent first. So if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you've never recognized it's only through Christ that he can reconcile us to God, and you need to do that today. All you have to do is say, God, I give you my life. I recognize that your son died and rose again to reconcile us together. I want to become part of your family, and I want you to teach me how to be part of the family of God. You can do, you can do that at any time. And if you do that, no, you have been adopted as a son or as a daughter into the family of God. And you're going to begin to learn how family life goes in the heavenly family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are so good. Lord, you are our Father. You are a good Father. Lord, I pray that we become better disciples, better spiritual parents, that we can point people to your son, Jesus, that we can ha- live a life that we can honestly say, follow me as I follow Christ. Lord, help us to recognize that not only our life is at stake when it comes to our integrity. Help us not just to think of how this impacts me, but how it impacts the whole family of God. And Lord, thank you that through your son, Jesus, you have reconciled us to the Father and we have been adopted into your family. Lord, may we live a life that is in concert with the reality that we are part of your family. Thank you for your son, Jesus, to all things are possible, we pray in his name, amen.